For the month of February, we had a health theme. We're going to switch things up a bit and talk about your financial health today. But don't worry, this isn't going to be some stuffy stock market or investor discussion. We're going to get down to the basics. Join us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Craig Ansell, and this is episode 41, Improving Your Financial Health. I want to take a brief pause and celebrate because thanks to all you dedicated regular listeners and some of you I know are sharing with others. We've hit 1,500 downloads earlier this month. I can't thank you enough for spreading the word, and I hope that you're getting genuine value out of these podcasts. Please hit us at Craig Ansell on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and now Twitter with any comments or feedback, including some challenges you might be facing in your personal or professional career growth, and we might be able to make a podcast topic just for you. Back to episode 41 improving your financial health. For the month of February, we had a health theme, but we're going to switch things up a bit and talk about finance. Don't worry, this isn't going to be a stuffy stock market or investor discussion. As I mentioned in the intro, we're getting down to basics. Our finances can affect us on multiple levels, mental, physical, and emotional. Surveys have been done and a majority of Americans don't have a significant amount of money in retirement, and many don't have an emergency fund. Some live paycheck to paycheck. Many of us overspend, and that means spending more than you make. It usually ends up on credit cards, and you get reminded at the end of the month with a billing cycle due. That friendly payment request, I think many of us are familiar with that. Over 10 years ago, my wife Erin and I were frustrated and struggling, not to mention scared, about our financial situation. The realization came when I was playing the all-too-familiar credit card payment swap game. Let me tell you how it went. A couple of times a week, we'd get the urge to go out and eat. There was no checking our bank account for remaining balance. We didn't look into our wallets for spendable cash. We blindly spent more than we made, using the all-too-familiar, let-me-get-that-on-my-card move. It was a simple swipe and go. As the credit card bills came in, we simply looked at our payment due and the fact that we still had room on our credit card balance to charge more, meaning we weren't topped out yet. We might have commented from time to time that we should reduce our spending. After all, it sounded like the right thing to do. We both felt, though, that we made a serious effort because we didn't want the card balance to grow further. But then, 30 days passed, and the next credit card bill came, and the amount we owed increased further. At one time, we collectively owed $20,000 to several credit cards. As the card balances went up, so did the monthly payment amounts. One month, we wrote a check and made our payment. So all was well, or so we thought. Then another credit card bill came in shortly after that. Here's where part one of our realization hit. 
we didn't have enough money to pay the second card monthly bill. If you remember earlier, I spoke of the credit card payment swap game. Here's how it goes. You owe money on one credit card, and it's coming due for the monthly payment. You hear or see an ad for an introductory offer of a low or no interest credit card rate. You call, you get, quote, quote, instantly approved, and then using that new credit card account, you transfer your existing card debt onto this new card. The plan is usually twofold. To avoid making your coming due monthly payment on your original credit card and to get lower interest rate on the new card. The goal in our minds was to reduce, if not stop, credit card spending altogether and using the new introductory reduced interest rate card have greater ability with our monthly payments to pay down our balance and eventually get the balance down to zero. So here's where the rub comes in. I followed through with the plan, just as I mentioned. We're approved with the new card, and our account is all activated. I requested a full balance payment be issued to our original card. I was going to use MasterCard to pay off a Visa card. The new card company agrees. As I give them the final digits to the original card, there's an uncomfortable silence. And I mean, it lasted a lot longer than any kind of silence should. I was waiting for the sigh of relief when they approved the payment transfer, but it didn't come. They asked me to turn my original credit card over to the backside and look at the issuing bank. It turns out that even though the original card was a Visa card and the new card was a MasterCard, they were issued by the same bank. The lady basically said, I'm sorry, we can't use our own card to pay ourselves back. She explained that regardless of the brand, Visa, MasterCard, etc., it only mattered who the issuing bank was. If the original card would have been a different bank, then yes, the process, like I used many times before, successfully would have gone through. That left my wife and I stuck with our second large monthly credit card bill coming due and not enough funds to pay for it. That's where the second and final realization came in. We had a problem, a big problem, and needed help. Well, we got some help in the form of financial coaching and learned that on average we were spending nearly $1,000 a month more than we made. That came in the form of restaurants, home and car maintenance and improvements, a variety of things, to be honest. So that leads me to the core content for today's episode. Number one, financial awareness. I know with this one-year-long COVID pandemic, we're in uncharted waters. I truly get that. And many of you have unique situations. Some of us are still able to maintain full-time work, while others part-time, some holding multiple jobs, and it's possible, too, that you may have lost your job. If you're in the latter portion and struggling, I'm thinking about you and praying for you. I also know that Budgeting or retirement planning right now is likely far off in your minds. I'd like to suggest focusing on the basics, though. For you, food, shelter, including utilities, transportation, and basic clothing needs. I hope you can come to find a job soon and start to get back on your feet. 
For others, if you have regular income, it would be a good time to take a look at your income and your outgo. This awareness is the first key to working towards a budget. Or, if you don't like that word, let's call it a spending plan. You tell your money where to go, instead of your money telling you where it will go, usually to what bills it's going to pay. I'd suggest pulling the last three months of your bills out, getting them together, including your credit card statements if you have them, Using a spreadsheet program such as Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets will be a strong benefit here. Start logging your spending on a monthly basis. Also, identify all your sources of income, all your monthly revenue, and log that down. If you get paid cash, check, or auto deposit, you should count it all in. You want to capture all the regular or recurring income. Not just one-time payments you receive, such as a loan payback or maybe a tax refund. If you do receive any one-time payments, I suggest setting them aside if you haven't spent them yet. That extra cash will come in handy. From there, determine on average how much you spend and compare it to your monthly income. If your spending is greater than your income, your debt is growing. If your spending is less than your monthly combined income, you have a surplus. And if you're at the same, then you're break-even. Regardless of where you fall, I'd suggest looking at each and every transaction. Carefully scrutinize the items and look at your spending and determine if it's a need or a want. You can also break down your charges into categories such as auto, home, restaurants, groceries, school supplies, for example. This helps you get clarity on where your money is going. This leads me into budgeting and money management programs like Dave Ramsey. My wife and I have followed Dave and his principles for well over five years now with great success. I shared our story with you about self-awareness and course correction for several reasons. Number one, nobody is perfect. We all make mistakes. Number two, We're happy to share with you that if any of this can help you avoid some of the mistakes we made, it's a double win. And number three, regardless of where you are right now in your financial journey, there is hope. By the way, earlier I made a statement and I called it the simple swipe and go when it comes to paying with my credit card. This bears talking about it briefly. The process of paying includes a term called friction. By swiping your credit card, debit card, or other form of payment, you are engaged in friction. This friction is the function of payment, your money being transferred to the charging organization. The longer the payment process takes, you guessed it, the more the friction. This type of friction is typically seen as unpleasant, and in most cases, companies do their best to minimize it. The goal is not to have you feeling friction and or emotional pain with the purchase, but rather focus on the product or service you received or you're about to receive. One day, I was at a local McDonald's restaurant, and I purchased an unsweet tea. They're only a dollar plus tax, so I usually pay cash. This particular time, though, I didn't have the dollar, so I used my debit card. Let me help you visualize the payment process if you're not familiar. I ordered, they confirmed, and asked me to swipe. I guess cash payments are so unexpected these days, especially with COVID, because we want to have less touch points. That part I get. 
I placed my bank debit card in the top slot of the card reader. The card reader was a plastic-looking box, maybe about four inches square in size, and I pulled the card down through the slot. Before my card exited the reader, the screen popped a statement up and said, Approved. I was shocked at how fast the transaction occurred. I happened to know the manager and commented about it. He confirmed my thoughts, which I want to share with you. They have a live, high-speed network open to the credit card processing company. He said, of course, man. We don't want you thinking about your payment. We want you thinking about your hot, delicious food and cold drinks that are coming. Just food for thought, so to speak. Back to our podcast topic and your financial health. For item two today, I'm going to talk about Dave Ramsey and his Baby Step program. Once you've gotten self-awareness of your spending habits and taken a current look at your income, you're ready for the next step. Actually, steps. Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps. By the way, if you're not familiar with the term gross or net income, let me quickly explain that. Gross is your income or pay before any deductions are taken out, including taxes, expenses such as for life or health insurance, retirement, or any other types of company deductions. Net is the money remaining after these deductions. Simply put, gross is a five-letter word and net a three-letter, so you start out with more and end with less. Also, think of net as a net you catch fish with, right? You use the net to catch the money left that you can spend. Once you've completed your financial awareness, you've hopefully vowed to cut down or better yet, maybe even totally eliminate credit card debt altogether. This is where you need to be careful, though. It's funny, in a way, how little events can derail us. As I start to explain a portion of Dave Ramsey's seven baby steps, his first step is to start an emergency fund consisting of $1,000. Too many times, people have suffered from flat tires, dead batteries, or small auto or home incidents that required emergency repair. That's where the $1,000 amount came from. Most minor emergency incidents cost less than $1,000, and having that emergency fund in the bank made all the difference. It builds your savings confidence and gives you something to initially pull from in these situations. This is really critically important rather than you working on a program to get out of debt and then bouncing back into and out of using that credit card for these quote-quote minor emergencies. Now, the next step in Dave's program, step two, is to pay off all your debt except your house. Now, if you have a lot of debt, you might even be shrugging or said, ugh, I get it. We were there too. But he has a special process for that that effectively is called the debt snowball. I'm going to briefly speak to that next. But first, I want to share with you that prior to my wife and I finding Dave Ramsey, we took a different financial coaching program. They had an alternate approach to paying off debt. Their focus was that you organize your debts in highest to lowest interest rate, then pay off the debts that had the greatest interest first. It sounds plausible, right? Because the highest interest rates are going to be the ones that continue to cause us the most pain and be the debts that potentially could be the longest to pay off. Dave, though, has a different approach, and he uses his debt snowball. His approach is to pay off the smallest debt first, 
and this is regardless of interest rate. It could be debt or loan to a family member, friend, or even a credit card, for example, that has low or zero interest. The interest rate does not matter. It's not about interest rate and math. It's about the power of the debt snowball. Let me explain. When you pay off your smallest debt, you take the payment the following month and add it to the next smallest debt and proceed from there. This approach incorporates a strong degree of emotion and energy. And as the debt snowball rolls along, it builds momentum. Your debt payoff capability increases, just like a snowball builds up size when you build a snowman. There are five more power-packed baby steps that Dave covers to help you truly alter your life and get back on track no matter what your situation, and I strongly urge you to check those out if you're interested in improving your financial peace and financial well-being. I'll have links in the show notes to his content. His story is special, like mine. But his life's mission is summed up in two words, I would say. Financial peace. That's what he's known for. That's what all of his programs and coaching is based on. And I think that's downright awesome. For me, my story and my mission can be summed up in two words also. Career growth. I chose this episode on financials number 41 improving your financial health, because it's fitting in a tough climate like today's pandemic to talk about these things. It can bring out awareness and sometimes areas we overlook in our lives. We many times are focused on our mental, physical, and spiritual health, but don't always take into account what impacts those areas. Our financial health is key. This episode just touched on financial health. If you'd like to hear more, please share on social media at Craig Ansel for Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. And you can always email us or email me directly, craig at craigansell.com. Now, I mentioned my mission could be summed up in two words, career growth. There's a third part to today's podcast. Now that we've talked about financial awareness and covered the basics on money, spending, and income, it's time to see what you can do to increase your income. Our next part is a discussion on resumes. Yes, you heard me right. I keep hearing from people in all walks of life that their primary income has taken a hit. For some, it's a reduction in available hours to work. For others, they kept their job but have to take a mandatory pay cut. And in others, specific drastic situations, job losses have occurred. Though some companies are providing more compassion and support than others, In some cases, employees are being given two or as much as four weeks' notice before their current job role expires. That, thankfully, gives them time to apply for other positions within their company and also get their resume up to date. I'm going to share part of a recent conversation I had with a new resume masterclass student of mine. He ran into downsizing situation. You might call it very similar to what I suffered, a riff. R-I-F, a reduction in force. He needs to immediately update his resume for two purposes. One, internal job openings within his company, and two, external job postings. Before reaching out to us, he touched base with the recruiter and he received some constructive criticism. 
His resume was full of industry jargon, a lot of acronyms, which likely were unique to his current role that he was being retired from. What's worse, though, they didn't connect with the recruiter or tie into any available positions in the outside world. That can usually be corrected with some diligent research comparing and contrasting similar companies, job roles, and with some diligent wordsmithing. The more difficult part he faced, though, was his resume. Like dozens of others that I've seen and helped, his resume listed mostly tasks and responsibilities in the job profile section. The recruiter quickly pointed out that she should shift towards accomplishments and benefits. And this is a key point that I want to make with you. To illustrate it, here's an example of a made-up product. Just like selling a great product, people don't care about the features as much as they do the benefits. Feature. The Sharpco 9000 kitchen knife is very sharp. You might even think to yourself, that's nice. (laughs) Maybe even you said, so what? But now, wait till you hear the benefits. Effortlessly cut through tough, raw vegetables and delicate, tender meats and cheeses. This statement likely piqued your emotions and maybe even caused your brain to conjure up some images. This simple statement took you to the end state. The most important part, like I teach in my resume masterclass, it answered the customer's questions looming in their head with him. What's in it for me? Just like a job recruiter is looking for qualified candidates, your resume has to do the same thing in under five seconds. You have to capture their attention and be one of the top candidates to get called back for the interview. After looking at my new student's resume, I had some brief feedback for him, and I'd like to share these additional tips with you. Framing your resume is absolutely critical. Just like a good picture has a strong supporting frame, so should your resume. It's critically important to have the proper margins and respect for white space. If your resume is too busy, potentially with too small a font, you'll quickly overwhelm the potential viewer and your resume may be discarded without a second look. Now, much of the time, the reason I hear from students that their font is really small is because they tell me they have a lot to say. They also wanted to fit all their content onto two or three pages. Trust me, I get it. But when your resume is a potential eyesore, it won't go very far at all. Speaking of font sizes, if you submit your resume online, it's likely to go through something called an ATS, and that stands for an Applicant Tracking System. These are online systems, online tools that their job is to scan the resume and categorize it so that the top candidates get put up first. 90% of companies are thought to use online scanning systems or ATS because they receive such a large volume of resumes and need help sorting them. ATS systems can have trouble with small fonts, and certain types of fonts can cause data entry issues, potentially resulting in misunderstanding your data, misreading it, or even potentially rejecting your resume so that it doesn't get passed on to the next stage. He also used bullets for his job descriptions, and generally that's okay. However, he used multiple types, and one of the types he used was more of a graphic, which again, can cause challenges when being scanned through an ATS. 
keep the bolts consistent, and clean for better odds. Your layout is critical also. Just as a good book has strong chapter titles, so too should your resume have strong section headings. Not only should you choose the right section headings which depict you as the best candidate for the position, but also the resume section headings should be cleanly separated so they announce the content that follows. You're essentially drawing attention to these sections. Finally, in this example resume, a career objective was used. These statements usually talk about what you want or are trying to achieve and in fact are rarely used today. I suggest to either remove it altogether or replace it with different content, such as a highlight statement or a value proposition. Think of it this way. What if the recruiter doesn't get past the top of your resume? What do you want them to know about you that sets you apart from others and that will help them read on? I'll tell you, it's likely not my career objective is. Remember, I used a phrase earlier called WIFM, W-I-I-F-M, and it stands for what's in it for me. You need to turn the tables and imagine that you are sitting at a desk reviewing resumes and yours comes across. How does it align with the targeted job description and qualifications? You need to make sure that your resume speaks to that, the job description and qualifications, and you need to do this for each and every job you target. If that sounds like a lot of work and you maybe don't know where to begin, I understand. I wanted to let you know that I cover all this in great detail and a lot more in my brand new resume masterclass, should you be interested. You can grab lifetime access at our introductory price right now. There are six 15-minute modules that you walk through step-by-step with first-time resume creation, updating, or totally redesigning your resume. I've taken my past 12 years of career growth coaching knowledge interviews with and discussions with dozens of human resource professionals, recruiters, hiring managers, and boiled it down to six 15-minute power-packed video modules. This information is current and not only helps you with in-person resume review, but also with online resume submission. In fact, I share best practices with dealing with those ATS applicant tracking systems. You can use the course today to create, clean up, or redesign your resume, and you can use it again in the future when you seek a promotion or perhaps have a career path change. The process has worked out for those getting their first job, upgrading jobs, and even pay rates from high school students through college all the way up into the corporate world. If you know someone struggling to find a job, the reason may be their resume. Your resume's job is to get you the interview, and too many times our resumes fail to sell ourselves. You literally might be the absolute best candidate for a job, but if your resume doesn't portray you, you might not get a second look. I know this all too well. Now, the most difficult part is taking our knowledge and experience out of our heads and putting it down on that daunting black sheet of paper we hope to turn into a resume. One thing on that, the great part about my resume masterclass is that it's designed to significantly reduce the stress and unknowns when working on your resume. 
Because you have lifetime access, you can come back time and time again to update your accomplishments, trainings, education, etc., and always be ready when your next targeted job comes along. The course takes all the guesswork out, so you are 100% focused on building a winning resume. You can grab it now at rmcenroll.com. RMC, that's Resume Masterclass Enroll.com today. We're currently offering it at a very affordable introductory price. I suggest you grab it now before the price goes up. We always look forward to your feedback on social media at Craig Ansell on multiple platforms. And finally, as we wrap up the month of February regarding health, if there's anything that you're struggling with, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can do so in social media or email. We're here to help. Thank you for listening to me, Craig Ansell, your host of the Career Growth Made Easy podcast. We're closing episode 41, improving your financial health. God bless you. Peace be with you. 